Amy Hollowell, uh, who benefits from your generosity? Uh, this koan comes from the hidden lamp, stories from 25 centuries of awakened women. Uh, please sit comfortably. Uh, generosity is the first of the, um, the six parameters or six perfections. Um, uh, qualities and virtues that uh, uh, we embody as we walk the way. Um, and the six parameters um, are dana parameter, that's generosity, giving of oneself. Uh, Sheila parameter, virtue, morality, discipline, proper conduct. Shanti parameter, patience, tolerance, forbearance, acceptance, endurance. Very good one for Zazenkai on a very warm day. Uh, Dhyana Paramita, one-pointed concentration, uh, contemplation. Uh, and finally, Prashna Paramita, uh, wisdom uh, or uh, insight. Uh, it always brings up, the long lists like this bring up the feeling of not quite measuring up or very much not measuring up. But um, it's good to be, these are good reminders for practice um, on the way. Um, yeah, for our walking of the way and our liberating others, and not least ourselves. The parameters are inspirations, not fixed rules, and we honour and express them with our conduct, speech, and thought. The first of the parameters is generosity. Uh, how wonderful to start with generosity as the first of these uh, virtues. Uh, it feels like everything flows uh, from generosity. Uh, when we are generous, we find release from mean-spirited, self-centered behavior. Being generous isn't confined to giving gifts or time. It also touches matters such as uh, giving others a better than even break understanding where they're coming from, recognising that their aggression uh, may be driven more by fear uh, than anything else. The dana parameter, the generosity parameter, relates to the precept of not sparing the dharma assets in, in the 12 grave precepts. In terms of generosity, it's good not to treat people as a means to an end. Uh, each person is a world in themselves. Um, I love uh, Arthur Wells' description of Gachot when you approach someone uh, you know, coming down the corridor and uh, you raise your hands in Gachot. Um, and this indicates equally empty, equally to be loved, equally a coming Buddha. Very beautiful. Um, yeah. so much springs from generosity uh, the generosity of the earth that supports us our heart that beats faithfully our breath that rises and falls without our even asking the generosity of being granted life on this strange and beautiful planet of being granted the opportunity to walk this great way together just to be alive is to drown in generosity. 
Uh, we didn't ask to be born. We didn't have to ask. We didn't ask for our life. We have that splendid mess entirely as a gift. The rise and fall of our breath, the circulation of our blood, the movement of our thought, the spontaneity of our desires and how our heart connections form in sangha, in friendship and in love. Each of these is a gift. Who gives it? Who receives it? We give and receive moment by moment, breathing in, breathing out. We don't think about it. We don't need to. But the atmosphere and our bodies are utterly codependent. I mean codependent in the best sense of the word codependent. Um, yeah. Yeah, bodies are ut and the atmosphere are utterly codependent um, as well as being something closer than that, indeed. We have so much to be grateful for. Gratitude is implicit in generosity. Uh, yeah, it's kind of two go together, rather beautifully, gratitude and generosity. Yeah, we are grateful for the opportunity to give, uh, for being one among the many who can contribute to the building of the Sangha. Grateful to be able to participate in turning the Dharma wheel. Even Zazen feels like an act of undirected gratitude. Sit there. Undirected gratitude. Exactly where would you direct it anyway? We meditate for its own sake. In this regard, Zen isn't instrumental, which is to say... It isn't concerned with the creation of particular states such as relaxation or bliss, though these tend to occur as byproducts of practice. Uh, we are likely, likewise generous for its own sake, uh, rather than playing the game in hope of a reward. May we all find release from the dreaded transactional. Uh, this is now a Kantian um, uh, category. It's called um, uh, the, the transactional, which so dominates uh, life um, in the 2010s and 20s, I guess. The, that's, I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine. Um, yeah. Which uh, seems to thoroughly dominate life these days. It's when we give for the sake of giving, we find, often to our surprise, that our joy is right there in that giving, uh, along with release and true freedom. Uh, our life is for its own sake. Uh, what are we here for? Is there a purpose for being here? When love and work are going well, we may feel as if that is what we are here for. And we are inclined to say that our life has meaning. Justifiably, it's not being denied. However, life in its vastness and complexity cuts deeper than meaning in life. 
think it's a lamp of Botan says um, the business of you know all work having to be meaningful has been um, uh, a, a problem because there's a long and uh, what did he say honoured tradition of turning up to work because you need the money and um, to pay the rent and uh, suddenly well, there's all this business that, that work should be meaningful but uh, you know look I'm <laughs> I'm here to make the money and then I'm going to go home and then I'm going to be able to relax and do the things that I want to do. So it can get complicated. With my dad, he worked at Matters Stove Factory and it was a huge shed, you know, iron shed and hugely hot in summer and freezing in winter and a kind of one unshielded glow, uh, lamp, you know, here and there in the darkness. And... Uh, he was involved in stove testing, which was quite dangerous, actually, because they used to blow up from time to time. So he'd come home with his, out his eyebrows uh, uh, and burnt on his forehead. And I reckon I, if I'd have said to Dad, is your work meaningful? He would have said, what? <laughs> it puts food on the table, son. <laughs> so, yeah. This is not an argument. If your work is meaningful, that's fantastic. Um, but I think, you know, there are other things there too, I guess. Yeah. So, who benefits from your generosity? This is a, a wonderful koan. It's a, I love this koan. And so I'm going to introduce Amy Hollowell, who uh, is the person who... I guess developed uh, this this kind. Uh, she's a Zen teacher and poet. Um, her watchword, or uh, well, part of her watchword, is "Tu es cela." Uh, you are that. Tu es cela. She was born and raised in Minneapolis, but came to France in 1981 to study literature and history, and has lived in Paris ever since, raising her children and making a living as a journalist. Amy Hollowell teaches in the White Plum Lineage, founded by uh, Taizan Maizumi Roshi. From 1995 to 2001, she lived in the non-monastic non Zen community, Dana Sangha, uh, which, she helped to, which she helped to teach her, Roshi Catherine Geno Pages, create in Montreux, a suburb of Paris. In 2004, Amy was recognised by Roshi Geno as her successor, officially receiving Dharma transmission. She then founded White Flower Zen in Paris and teaches there as well as in Portugal. She is married and is the mother of two children and she lives in Montreux. So her, her watchword or motto is the full account of it is Tu es cela, cela et toi. It's two parts. You are that, that is you. Um, and there's a column between those, so they're conjoined. Um, both of these are expressive of the way. Uh, but the second one, um, that is you, is less appreciated. Uh, when you realise that... This is it. This is you. It is not your agency. Uh, 
this is grace itself. When we say, I am this, it, it, it is, that is fine, that is also true. Both are true in the same breath. But there is, uh, coming from the other angle, is very rich indeed, and there's less sense of agency. This realisation doesn't uh, depend uh, on you reaching that way. So when the Buddha realised sitting under the Bodhi tree 49 days and nights and then at dawn on the 49th night uh, he looked up and saw the morning star and said, now I see that all beings are the Tathagata. All the beings are this one. Didn't say, now I see that uh, I am all beings, if you will. All beings are this, this one. Then, um, already teaching, it is just their delusions and attachments that prevent them from seeing it. And the way uh, rolls from there. Delusions and attachments. Hmm. I am in here and you are out there like that, that kind of delusion and our attachments to it. Augusto Alcade, Argentinian Zen teacher, said um, in response to I vow to save all beings, he said I vow to open myself to be saved by all beings. Same point. Uh, I want to introduce uh, Chi Wan Shingang, um, a, a woman teacher, a very, very powerful and great woman uh, teacher, uh, lived from 1597 to 1654. Um, she was uh, the abbess of a monastery, uh, a great Dharma teacher, and she had seven successors, uh, all uh, women successors. Um, and this was, she was powerful and a guiding light in a time when uh, Rinzai Zen in Japan was in decline in the 17th century. Um, but uh, she was not part of that decline. Uh, unbelievably rich. and Rich in Dharma and rich in her ability to convey the way um, at all levels, uh, she connected very, very well with lay people, uh, for instance. I was able to, uh, when she gave talks, public talks, they really reached um, uh, lay folk. She also had to struggle very hard. Um, it was, the training was really quite brutal in many respects. Compassionate, but in a way brutal. Lots of shouts, blows. Um, the student con she would constantly push back, um, but she was uh, determined, and eventually she realised. And uh, uh, then, even then, uh, she had to struggle. So, when she was in her late teens, um, she was betrothed to a young man who died. Uh, before they could be married. And 
Chiri Wan um, decided that she didn't want to get married or to, I'm not sure if the word is remarried here, but um, she wanted to commit herself um, to meditation. So, um, yeah, she decided also that she, she was not prepared to care for her parents-in-law. So I, li I like the pragmatism of this. She had some property, so she gave them um, uh, 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 property uh, in lieu of uh, having to care for them for the rest of their lives. Um, I, I kind of like the pragmatism of that. Um, and then she, she said, this is really significant, and I owe this to Coral, uh, whose discovery this was, which is just so inspiring. Um, on her decision not to care for her parents-in-law, Chiwan said, um, that is why I am, resolved to, I am resolved to spend the rest of my days behind closed doors, nurturing my not knowing. Um, <laughs> uh, which is wonderfully powerful and inspiring. Yeah, out of that nurturing of her not knowing, uh, she went on to nurture countless students and produce seven enlightened successors. So, um, how about? Uh, so, I was reflecting on this, and I was thinking, um, nurturing my not knowing, sure. But what about being nurtured by not knowing? And. Uh, Coral and I had an exchange around this. So I asked her, uh, how is it when not knowing nurtures you? And Coral responded, dry ground soaks up rain, forms drift like clouds. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, a beautiful response. Um, <laughs> I said, just so, uh, but how does it get to eat breakfast? <laughs> There's, there's also that. Um, and Coral said, scrambling eggs, plunging coffee. I said, that's fine for the preparation. How about breakfast? Munch, munch. Slurp, slurp. <laughs> exactly so. Exactly so. Uh, and I responded, uh, uh, nothing is faster than breakfast. Nothing is faster than that. Having said that, nothing is more delimited than lunch. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to continue on, on this theme a little bit. Uh, this is on, on the theme of who benefits from your generosity. Uh, so Lehman Pang uh, was sitting in his thatched cottage one day saying, difficult, difficult, like trying to scatter ten measures of sesame tree seed all over a tree. Okay, this is very much like uh, I am that. 
You know? Well, if I am that, it must include sky, it must include clouds, it must include traffic, it must include people in shops. And he says, it's like trying to scatter sesame seed over a tree. You know, it's so difficult, it's difficult. And uh, his wife said, easy, easy. It's like touching your feet to the ground when you get out of bed. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> no problem at all. What's, what's this about? And then Ling Chao, who was his daughter, said, uh, on the hundred grass tips, the ancestors leaning. Yeah, that generosity. On the hundred grass tips, the ancestors Light through the window, sound of traffic, breath rising and falling. That generosity. In the old days, uh, when we were sitting session at Mount Alina, A young woman was standing at the head of the Doksan land, waiting to come to Doksan. And uh, another woman came out of uh, Doksan and looked up uh, the path uh, and had an awakening experience. And when I asked her about it, she said, but she was just standing there. She was just standing there. So who benefits from your generosity? To be clear, this isn't about making a list of the charities you support. Although we surely hope that people will benefit from donations, our donations. Also, the question... Uh, what is the true value of your money is not concerned at depth with the purchasing power of your dollar. Um, true value is beyond the relativities of gain and loss, wealth and poverty. Um, my friend uh, Martin, who makes beautiful speakers, 1930-style horn speakers that they used to use in cinemas and... Uh, when you listen to music through them, it is just like, uh, it's unbelievable. And uh, yeah, we've been friends for a long, long time. And we joke about being retired to the park bench, which is a bench in his backyard. Um, very decrepit, actually. <laughs> been waiting a long time for us to get onto this bench. Uh, and uh, we, yeah, we're, we're retiring to the park bench to talk philosophy and to read Proust. And, uh, yeah, this is a long time ago when this came up, and he's read all of Proust, the, all seven volumes of *A La Recherche du Temps Perdu*. And uh, <laughs> I got stuck at volume four when the Vergerans came back. I just couldn't get any further. But 
but uh, he said, it's good, you should keep going. You know, you know what it is? It's reading Proust for Australia. <laughs> so we'll see. But he had a birthday recently, and on his way back to the car with his wife and family, they came across a homeless man begging. Martin said, I thought to give him $5, but I offered him $50 instead and gave myself a happy birthday. So, uh, who benefits from your generosity? <laughs>